podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. to the Celtic State of Mind podcast. So, hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you, Tony? I'm very well, Laura, yourself? Uh, not too bad. Uh, you might notice we are a man down. Uh, Jim, unfortunately, is having some technical issues and hopefully will be able to join us a bit later on in the podcast. But until then, you are stuck with us pair. So, um, I, I thought you were being microcosmic of the season there, Laura, a man down. We, we well... Like we've been a man down many times. Maybe... Maybe we are being affected by the same gremlins that have uh, have affected the team, but you never know. We'll blame it on COVID. Everybody else does. So, um, but anyway, to catch on with the rest of the day, um, he might have already seen me this morning on a state of mind. I was on football insomniac with with Colin, so you can catch up with that if you um, like too much of a good thing. But you know. We, we will carry on. We will carry on. That's a bit of a shambolic start to the show, but we'll see where we get with it. Lots to discuss today, Tony. Um, we were obviously both on the um, the post-match uh, or the, the full match coverage of the Dundee United match last, last week. Uh, obviously, the 0-0 draw at Tannadice uh, ensured that the title would not be coming back to us. Um, what are your thoughts now, a few days on? Uh, I know we were all a bit, uh, a bit more, a bit more upset by it and a bit more affected by it than I think we expected to be, given the the sort of formality that it seemed to have become. Are you feeling a little bit more like things are things are calming down for you, or are you are you getting more angry as time going on? I, I think there was a, there was always an air of resignation that Celtic were going to lose the title. I think it's just the way. They've lost the title this season. That's upset and annoyed most of the Celtic supporters, you know. So uh, yeah, there was an air of inevitability about it. But just the way they, they kind of played at Tannadice, there was no fight, there was no spirit, there was there was nothing there to give you any hope moving forward. But we'd all resigned ourselves and got used to the idea that the title was going to be relinquished. It was just a matter of when, really, wasn't it? Uh, I think so. I think we've we've both harped on about that a little bit about um, the manner in which things have gone uh, the way they have, and uh, and I think that's what's hurting us more than anything. I think, like like I said before, I was just very surprised, and I've seen other people mention the same thing. Of like, yes, we've talked about the manner in which we lost it being disappointing, but I think I was so surprised at my own emotions at the end of the game of of. The, the way in which the disappointment took me over because I think it's unarguable to say that and I don't know if you agree with this or not that regardless of the formality of something regardless of how much you expect it when it actually happens it does take on a different significance for you I think uh, I, I think there was the as you say there was an air of resignation but on Sunday the, the anger built up again and I yeah. think that had more to do with the performance I think it was Amy that pointed out on the podcast with the three women that the players just didn't seem to be concerned. 
Mm-hmm. That's what annoyed a lot of the fans. They kind of walked off as if, no, no, draw, no, it's a point or whatever. There was no, I think Aya was probably the only one that seemed to look like he was happy. Yeah, you know, yeah. players have just lost the title. They've lost a chance at immortality. You would think they would be a wee bit more upset at that than, than anybody else. But he just seemed to trudge off as if, ah, well, these things happen. Yeah, these these things were going to happen this season because of the way they played. But you just expect them to show a wee bit more. You know, just a bit more. Just show, or at least, you know, show that it means something to you. You know, mm-hmm. look at that bag and look at it and think, You've let you've let so many people down this season by their performances, you know, and you couldn't even muster one more just to delay it, you know, and, and then play Rangers and, and show that it, for once that it actually meant something to you, that it meant as much to you as it meant to you and I. You mm-hmm. know, we're sitting in the studio discussing or, or pouring over the wreckage, you know, and saying the same things, you know, and you try not to get angry and yeah, you're hurt, but. When you get angry, you get rabid and you start lashing out. But you're trying mm-hmm. to discuss this in articulate, intelligent fashion. And the, over, the overriding emotion is still anger and hurt. But you try and rationalise it and you try and move on. And, you know, the, kind of, the days go on and you think, right, OK, that's it. It's done. And it is done. And all they've got to salvage this season is now the two Rangers games where they hope that they can win one of them and shatter their invincible season. League season, that is. Mm-hmm. I think I think you're entirely right, and I think <clears throat> I was I, I was of an opinion that you know we had all this chat before the game on Sunday of you know certain people wanting to throw the match or whatever and don't let them win it at Celtic Park and all that kind of thing, and and I think we had the same uh, same opinion of no that isn't the way you should handle it. The way to not let them win the league at Celtic Park is not to let them beat you at Celtic Park. Not to let not to let the league uh, be tied up before they even get there. And and I for one certainly would never be in favour of throwing a match or anything like that. But I didn't expect us to actually go into the game uh, in a couple of weeks time having already lost the league. I mean that was that was just unbelievable to me but you know as you say we've we've poured over it at great length on this podcast uh, o- over a number of weeks and and it, it's something that that we just i guess we have to uh, what is it what is it the the common football parlance says that they say these days we go again i think yeah. is what they say we move on uh, yeah, we move on, we go again and, and we'll see where it takes us. One thing I'm really interested in getting your thoughts on, though, because I think you and I might have slightly different opinions on it, is, um, or, or not not even slightly different opinions from each other, but certainly different opinions from what else has been expressed online and on the podcast in, in the week. Uh, I've been champing at the bit to get back on. Uh, yeah. the, the, the tweet from Celtic regarding us not being half of anything um, uh, in response to the, the negative press coverage around around the, the, the Rangers riots last week. Now, there's a lot that encompasses this conversation, um, not least of which... Uh, I think we do agree that the the, the media coverage of, of the behaviour has been somewhat uh, unbalanced. Having said that, my own opinion is that the tweet, regardless of whether I agree with the sentiment or, or not, came across a little bit unprofessional um, in the manner in which it went out. I heard uh, John Paul say on the podcast the other day he had to check two or three times that it wasn't a fake account or that we hadn't been hacked before he said anything about it. Um what are your thoughts on it? Do you do you think it was unprofessional? Do you do you not care one way or another? Are you in agreement with the sentiment? What what, what do you think? Strap yourself in. Right. <laughs> Remember in Enter the Dragon when Bruce Lee goes to fight O'Hara and he punches a board? <laughs> yes. Right? And he says boards don't bite back. Right, here's a tweet here's a hashtag for you. Tweets don't win titles. You can be as well, clever as you want off the park, right? I call me old-fashioned. Do your talking on the park. Right? So that's what I thought, because I couldn't care less about tweets. But I tell you what I do care about, Laura, right? I care about the fact that Celtic have lost the title. I care about the fact that we don't have a new management team in place. I care about mm-hmm. the fact there's 100 days to the Champions League qualifiers. I care about the fact that there doesn't seem to be any forward planning in place. And there seems to be no attempt to repair the disconnect. So see these tweets where you think they're being clever, I understand the machinations behind it. I understand the message that they were trying to portray and what they were trying to say. But see, these wee kind of things that 
you're trying to get season ticket holders back on board. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in wee sound bites. I'm interested in where this club's going, what's happening. Mm-hmm. I was watching Bill Shankly, clips of Bill Shankly, and there's a great clip where he's talking about Jockstein and Celtic, and, and he says, it's a form of so- socialism without the politics, of course, right? There in lieth the rub with Celtic. Celtic's mm-hmm. lost socialist heart. There is a disconnect everywhere from the board to the CEO to the management mm-hmm. team the first team players to the fans the dots are not connecting I want to join those dots well, mm-hmm. Bill Shangley said it like this it's a form of socialism without the politics <laughs> like, that's the way he said it do you know why he said that because he was passionate about what was happening in each club I'm passionate about what's happening or going to happen at my club we're entering yep. a rebuild fancy tweets don't interest me start the rebuild start the mm-hmm. rebuild See, the time we introduced the new management team was was on Sunday to give mm-hmm. everybody a lift to say, ladies and gentlemen, the new management team of Celtic Football Club, give everybody hope for what's going on. See, the fact that they didn't do that, that strikes me as being that there's no forward planning. They don't know yeah. who it is and they don't know what they're doing. And that panics mm-hmm. me a bit. So all the tweaks in the world are never going to bring back the 10, which meant so much to everybody this season. So I told you, Tweets don't win titles. That's where I'm at with it. But again, tweets don't win titles, folks. That I mean, that's a that's a hashtag in and of itself. And for anybody wondering, yes, you can hire Anthony Haggerty for impressions. Uh, <laughs> I'm Not sure he doesn't just do Bill Shankly, but you know, we'll we'll wait and see. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting tweet. Interesting comment there, sorry, from David Kelly on YouTube. And remember, guys, you can comment on YouTube, Twitter and Facebook where we are live. But David Kelly says the tweet was decent uh, if it's followed up with actual action, if it's not uh, a season book bait for gullible fans. I think that, you know, we we can agree or disagree whether the tweet was decent in and of itself, but a lot of the points he makes there are are the same as yours. It it kind of felt a bit like pandering to a certain section of the support uh, that, that some of us uh, weren't in total agreement with, and, and I get, I get that we're wanting the club to show a bit more attitude and a bit more defensive of, of you know, our position in comparison to Rangers, and not be pulled into any kind of debate about behaviour or anything like that where it isn't merited. But you know, I don't think that the tweet was the way to do that. And just to open it up to a wider conversation, um, I said to you before we came on air that. Uh, I was on the the show on Monday with Natasha and Amy and the one comment that I got in response for an hour's worth of content that I was on was that I had accidentally slipped up and called uh, the upcoming Glasgow Derby an old firm. Now, I was 24 years old when Rangers went under. I was very used to calling it the old firm and occasionally my... uh, my parlance will slip back into that, if you like, especially uh, when you're live online in front of thousands of people and trying to find your words. Um, I I don't think they're the same club. I don't think that there's any question about that. But I do think that to pick people up for calling it the old firm or, or calling them anything except Rangers or anything like that, it it feels a little bit like beside the point to me. The point is that regardless of the nature in which Rangers are here, they are here in some form and we are still going to treat them as our rivals for, for as long as possible. Um, obviously, we don't know where, where the future is going to go as far as that's concerned. But what are your thoughts on this kind of tip for tat? Uh, you know, uh, yes, you are. No, you're not. You're, you're dead. You're alive. Uh, use of fr- phrases like the old firm. I told you, remember, I said I sent you a private message and I said, this is where I am with the, the whole Rangers alive and dead thing. It's the whack-a-mole game, isn't it? <laughs> At the carnival. It comes up, you hit it with a hammer, you're dead. It comes up again, I'm not dead. Now, you're never going to square the circle on that argument, right? Mm-hmm. You, you'll have Celtic supporters that will say they're dead and that's it and they don't entertain it else. Rangers supporters say they're the same club. You are going round in circles. You can have your mm-hmm. thoughts on it. Whatever your thoughts are, that's it. It's no up for question. You know what I mean? So uh, uh, you will argue about this for time and perpetual motion. The old firm was the, the branding, I understand. And Celtic renewed the branding so that no one else could make money from it. Yeah. I, probably Rangers. So 
That's fair enough. That, that's a sound business move, surely. And I get why they do it, but nobody needs to tell Celtic supporters what they are or who they are. They're well aware of that or, or what they're not. And yeah, people are getting annoyed because they get lumped in with what happened on Saturday and Sunday. Now let's address that. What happened on Saturday and Sunday was Rangers supporters. Nobody else. Yes, undoubtedly. Totally agree. Fans they were right. But Celtic had their own spat earlier in the season when the barriers were lifted and the buses were chased and stuff at the park when they were protesting. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's fair enough. Well, people will always say, but you did it as well. You had a wee mini riot at your ground, whatever you want, whatever phrase you want to use to describe that, right? Two wrongs don't make a right, but at the weekend, it was Rangers supporters who celebrated at Ibrooks and who went to George Square and dismantled benches and stuff like that. You know, everybody mm-hmm. could see that, right? And then when Celtic were protesting against the board and the players and the, and the management, it was them, okay? Well, those two incidents are separate, okay? So you can't just lump each other in with about Celtic, but... It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Rightfully came for it. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be a different narrative about what happened with Rangers that it was shelved. But it was still a global pandemic, still weren't allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. So spare me this kind of, you know, oh, well, it's different. It's not different. Celtic won a treble treble and a, and a bus tour was stopped and most of the fans ended up in Glasgow and they went to George Square, I believe. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't uh, that's my recollection of it, yeah. They didn't dismantle benches and didn't. It was high, you know, high-spirited and it was party time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so the pe- fans can behave. You know, but that so so that was a major disappointment to the Celtic fans when their bus trip was denied. You know, and they could have they could have went on some kind of spree because they were denied the chance to see the the tour and stuff like that. But it didn't. So mm-hmm. fans can go to Glasgow City Centre and places like George Square and behave. It's mm-hmm. possible. So what happened on Sunday, Saturday, and Sunday was Rangers fans misbehaving. Mm-hmm. You, you can't deny that what happened earlier in the season at Celtic Park, the Celtic fans misbehaving. But this kind of yep. lumping them in together, I think that it's that narrative that annoys the Celtic fans, which also uh, was responsible for the tweet. But, you, you know, I, I just think, you know, you, you just don't need to get involved in that kind yep. of thing. Rise above it. You know what you are, you know who you are, and you know how to behave. 
that's it. And and I should say at this point, um, not to be too fair to them, but uh, I, I have friends and family members who are Rangers supporters who are who are die-hard Rangers supporters who who were devastated when their club went under and who have supported the club that that formed out of that from the bottom up. And they, yes, should be allowed to celebrate, but the ones I'm talking about and the people I'm referring to are the people who celebrated in their houses the way they should have done at the current moment. Is it devastating that we can't celebrate things the way we want to celebrate them? Absolutely. There's lots of things about life that I would love to get back to normal. But the point is, you know, we we have a responsibility in these, these current times to, to behave a certain way. And going back to the, the what we call Rangers and the old firm and this and that, I think Martin Bickett on YouTube sums it up uh, pretty perfectly and just says semantics, man. And that's basically it. You know, it's like you said, we all know who we are. We all know what, what Rangers in their current form are. Whether you make a slip of the tongue in what you call them or what you what you what you refer to them as doesn't change that, and, and I think we all need to sort of try and get on board with that. But uh, we pride ourselves on a Celtic state of mind of not talking about other clubs, so we're going to um, continue by talking about Aberdeen. Uh, <laughs> and in reference to that, what I mean is obviously Derek McInnes lost his job last week uh, after you know struggling to turn things around. Um, obviously, he's had a he's had a, a great run there over the past seven or eight years, I think it was. But it was time for a change. The rumoured replacement there, uh, well, there's a couple of different ones. Sven Goran Eriksson's name has been thrown around, uh, which I saw. Uh, but one of the ones that interests uh, people of a Celtic persuasion is the fact that Stephen Glass might be getting uh, installed as manager, obviously ex-Aberdeen, ex-Newcastle player who's got a history with the club. Um, but the reason it interests Celtic supporters is that there's a, there's potential that he uh, could potentially bring Scott Brown in as his assistant manager. Uh, I presume they know each other from Stephen Glass's time playing at Hibs and uh, they have an ongoing relationship which might provide Scott Brown with a route into coaching and, and management and that kind of thing. Um, Tony, Two two things. First of all, how likely do you th- think this is to happen if Stephen Glass gets the job, and if so, wh- what are what are Celtic's main aims coming out of that? If we were to lose Scott Brown, well, we spoke about Scott Brown, and you and I differed. You, you mm-hmm. said it's time to cut the ties with Scott Brown, which and I, and I fully understand your your reasoning, your reckoning for that. So this might mm-hmm. be that time. Because if Scott Brown's not going to be offered some kind of role in the new rebuild at Celtic, whether that be in the academy, youth academy or whatever, to try and earn some coaching badges and coaching stripes, then so be it. Then it might be time to cut that string and just say to Scott, on you go, there's a chance at a club if Stephen Glass gets the Aberdeen job. You know, it's it's a possibility. You might interview interview well and you might decide, yeah, and if that's that's what happens, then I think he does. It's it's been reported that he wants Scott Brown, so it might be time. It might be the time to turn around and do what you say, shake hands with Scott Brown, and say, go and see if you can cut it as a coach elsewhere. And then if mm-hmm. you can, maybe say to him in the future, come back if he shows any kind of uh, you know aptitude for it. You know, because if if the rebuild can't guarantee him a job, then he is a big figure to lose in the dressing room, but. He's not going to play next season, is he? No. You would you would conjecture under new management. Father time has kind of called time on his career. You know, his influence in a playing sense is waning. Everybody can see it. So he would have to take a step back. And I don't know if Scott Brown would be prepared to do that. And I don't know if he would if Celtic are going to hand him a job in the academy. If not, then maybe it is time. But a brilliant servant. Absolutely brilliant servant. And and you would lose something if Scott Brown left, but maybe it's time to, maybe that's part of the rebuild. It's post Scott Brown and others that want to leave. I think what, one of the things looking at Celtic um, for this season going forward is, again, I hate to, to bring Rangers up into this, but I was watching an interview prior to the Slavia Prague match with Steven Gerrard and he mentioned 
that regardless of the title having been tied up, that they still have aims and objectives for the rest of the season. Which I think, regardless of who the club is or what they are, what they are, um, their targets are, I think it's healthy to have uh, ongoing targets, even if you achieve some of those targets uh, earlier on in the season than you may be expected to. Um, with that in mind, Tony, what do you think the aims are for Celtic going forward? Do we have any aims uh, or is it a case of stumbling our way to the end of the season and then sorting things out at that point? I think we've got to look to win the Scottish Cup. We've got to look to beat Rangers mm-hmm. and, and shatter that, as I said, that invincible league season that they're now talking about, which is within their grasp. So I, I think that's the two aims you People say, oh, I look to at least win one of the, the two Rangers games. No, win two of them. You know, give them give the punters hope and you know optimism for moving moving forward. Don't just yeah. win the first one, win the second one as well. Why why can't we do that? There's a major trophy up for grass. So grass try that again, grabs even. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you know they, they have to go and try and win that. And then mm-hmm. and then hopefully by then there's some uh the goodwill or a good feeling comes back to the club and then they can maybe start announcing stuff about the rebuild. I would prefer they announced a new management team sooner rather than later. I mean, every day mm-hmm. there's candidates flung into the mix and people have their opinion and stuff and, you know, this, you know, no do, that guy, you know, do, you know. Today it's Chris Wilder, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's been thrown in, Chris Wilder. So that's another new name. Then Frank Lampard keeps getting flung in, you know, and then... Uh, somebody said last night, some blogger put up that Davy Moyes is also now in the frame, allegedly. So, I mean, it's in any name, it's in the tail on the donkey. Now, pick a name and then discuss it to death until they turn around and say, this is a new Celtic management team then. You know, you can speculate all you want. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think that's I think that's fair enough, and I think pinning the tail on the pinning the tail on the donkey is is exactly the way it seems to go. You know, with, with specific reference to Frank Lampard, um, I saw somebody asked on Twitter last night if there was any questions that people would like to pose to the the podcast, um, and one of them was. Are there any good points to appointing somebody like Frank Lampard that we haven't considered just because I think a lot of us are, are against that appointment? And, and and the honest answer to me is, as far as he's concerned, I really don't know. Because he didn't do anything of note with Chelsea. You can't say that he earned that job on anything other than sentiment. And that, that has got us nowhere in the past. We've just got rid of a manager who probably got the job on sentiment and certainly kept it for longer than he should have for the exact same reason. So I don't know where, I don't know where we go with that. Uh, whether, uh, whether there's a, a particular name that will bring us the, the sort of outcomes that we want. But I'm certainly in agreement with you that regardless of who it is that we appoint, it needs to be sooner rather than later because there's just a lot of dead air between now and the end of the season if you don't do that. Yeah, and also I mean, I think... A, sorry, on you go. Sorry, on you go. On you go. So you also want a management team that are going to wrestle the title of Rangers next season. No in two or three years' time. You know, you want someone who's going to pose a real threat and a challenge to Rangers next season, not some mm-hmm. kind of project that might come to fruition in two or three years' time, I don't think Celtic supporters get the patience for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that leads me back to maybe someone like Enzo Maresca. Yeah, I don't, I don't care if he's managed Manchester City under twenty threes. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, this is managing Glasgow Celtic Football Club. We're talking about. Yeah, he might have done paper and he might have done this and that, and some guy was putting heat maps about how his under twenty three teams play. <laughs> I ran an under-12 team once. That man is Celtic. I mean, come on. You're talking about... I've said this before. To you and I, the the manager's job at Glasgow Celtic Football Club is the best job in the world. Mm -hmm. So don't be putting guys in there who lack the experience to take that job. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. And, you know, Enzo Maresca and Fergo Harkin might be an attractive proposition long-term. I don't want another long-term project. But I want forward planning with somebody with experience that can go and mix it with Rangers next season, win the title back, and then take us forward and win it again for the next two or three seasons. Somebody with mm-hmm. experience at the top level who's managed, not under 23 level, but who's managed at a decent level, a big hitter, yeah. go and get him. 
they exist. I, I think that's correct. And I think um, we had a conversation uh, before we came on air about uh, some of the managers we've had in the past who maybe haven't had a, as much... Uh, experience winning trophies Gordon Strachan for example hadn't even managed any more than twice in Europe so it's not actually for me about the levels of success in terms of trophies and stuff that they've brought in because we all know that's a lot harder to do in other countries than it is in Scotland it's about showing that you've had uh, periods of success at other clubs and managed to impose a philosophy um, which I think is the main thing and you've managed at a level Mm-hmm. I mean, at a professional level, you know, nobody cares a job about under twenty three football. Somebody could tell me Enzo Moresco won a hundred hundred games in a row at under twenty three level. It matters not a jot. Yeah, you know, people were turning their nose up at the likes of Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe managed in the English Premier League. He kept mm-hmm. Bournemouth in the English Premier League. Bournemouth. <laughs> didn't did not not even keep them in. He made them a he made them a, a mainstay for a number of years. Five years, seaside town. We think of Bournemouth, right? So you know, so people are saying, "Ah, we don't want him. He's not got the relevant. If he doesn't have the relevant experience to be a Celtic manager, then I don't know what is." And, you know, yeah. so someone like that who you say and we said before, they instilled a culture at a football club, a philosophy. They stamped their authority on it, and they did well. And it's not about winning trophies. Success isn't about winning trophies. That's success. Keeping a club like Bournemouth in the English Premier League for five years. Now that to yes. me, you know, is a rip-roaring success. Because they should be yes. doing that. Rip-roaring <laughs> and, and never boring, as you would say. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. But, you know, so success doesn't mean pile up the trophies. I'm talking mm-hmm. about successful at the top level in English Premier League football is widely regarded as the top level. So that's that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. Hundred percent. And speaking of managing at a level, Philip DeMarco, who's commented on YouTube, I just want to pick him up on this. Uh, Laura managed an end-to-end draw on Championship Manager Twitch stream with Russell Boyce the other night and cost Napoli second place. I didn't cost Napoli anything. I managed one game the entire season. If you've got an issue with where they finished in the league, please take it up with Mister Boyce and not me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, before we move on, um, unfortunately, with the kind of shambolic uh, start to the show, uh, I forgot to um, come to a wee message that we wanted to send out. Now, Tony, you've got the details of it, but do you want to, to send out a wee message to a listener of ours, uh, just somebody who's needing a wee, a wee pick-me-up and a wee good luck message? Give me a second, can find us, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go, we've got the message there. It's a wee shout out to a guy called Kerr Hamilton and his three-week-old niece, Riley Hamilton. She's in hospital getting an operation on her heart and she's not doing particularly great. So he asked me if we could just give the family a wee mention and from everyone on Axom just to wish we Riley all the best and hopefully everything goes to plan and she can make a, a recovery. You know, so I think it goes without saying and in a week where we're getting wound up about losing the title, there are life go you know, life goes on and there's some real hardship and you know, a three week girl, three week old girl in a hospital with uh, heart problems is not what you want to hear. So I guess to speak on behalf of everybody and wish the family all the best and hopefully everything is a successful conclusion. Uh, I can only echo that. I think uh, I think what we try and do on this show uh, is is talk about football and keep it to football, just to keep people's minds off the the, the wider issues in society. But like you say, um, there's nothing to bring home uh, the the sort of perspective of, of football conversation in the wider in the wider world than hearing something like that. So I can only echo your sentiments. Uh, good luck to Riley um, uh, and good luck to the entire family. I'm sure it's going to be um, going to be a difficult time, but um, hopefully with everybody's thoughts and prayers, we can we can hear some good news about her soon. Well, um, Celtic family element of it all, isn't it? You can't absolutely, like absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I. I Spent some time in hospital as a child myself, and uh, it was quite uh, quite incredible to um, see the number of Celtic and Rangers shirts that were being gifted across the across the bays uh, for for kids, and and the fact that you know rivalry was overcome by a situation like that. Everybody kind of uh, 
banded together in those situations and uh, I remember specifically getting a wee shout out on the hospital radio at the time and so if we can provide that for wee Riley and our family then that's uh, that's that's quite a special thing to be able to do um, so thanks for thanks for highlighting that to me Anthony it's really something that I wanted to to mention on the show and put everything into a bit of perspective yeah, moving on to, to, to slightly happier things and maybe maybe Riley's family can get involved in this chat as well. Um, you got a question on Twitter the other night about, I think, apologies if I'm phrasing this wrong, but the way I read it was uh, a player from the last 10 years, from the, from the nine in a row team that would have made it into the team with Kenny Dalglish. So the Quality Street Gang, was that it? Or have I slightly got that wrong? I think that was more or less. Yeah, I was asked who from the last ten years would uh, would fit into a team with King Kenny in it, basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, and who, who was your who was your who was your choice? Who of all the? I'm sure you could say plenty of uh, plenty of players over the years, but who who was the standout for you? Well, I told them it was quite easy. Who the guy that asked me? Because I told them it was Musa Dembele. Mm-hmm. And I loved Musa because I said he was a big game, a big game player. He came alive in the big games, and he would have had a telepathic understanding with Ken Kenny because he would have, the two of them between them they would have scored a barload of goals because mm-hmm. the two of them were ice cold in front of goal, but they had real big game intelligence. I mean, Kenny the least made him rush the striker that he was just by that telepathic understanding and setting yeah. up. There was a clip of Kenny the hitting a blind pass. You're rushing, it's absolutely magnificent. It's a brilliant piece of skill. And Rush tucks it away and he just runs to him as if, how did you know where I was going to be? He just did it on instinct, you know. So I think Musa and, and Kenny would have, would have been some kind of, they would have stuck terror into any defence. And mm-hmm. I also, I go back to it and of all the goals that Musa scored, my favourite moment of Musa was the pass at Ibrox. Mm-hmm. The first time pass that just opened the whole of Ibrox up to French Eddie. And he I know the exact one you mean, yeah. Instinctive. Didn't even think of when that's when Celtic were down to 10 men. And Rogers threw on the striker. He threw on Edward Because mm-hmm. he knew that Musa was switched on enough. And all he needed was the one the one chance, the one break forward. And mm-hmm. they skinned the Rangers' defence. And that was mm-hmm. a that pass. And you're talking about moments and timing. Players, strikers score goals, but you're talking about real game intelligence and real kind of players that just get it and know what's happening. See the game, mm-hmm. in, see the game in pictures. Douglas was like that. Musa, to an extent, was like that, and he showed it that day. And I just I watch that pass every now and again, and it, I, it's not even the goal that kind of makes me happy. It's the pass. I just like wow, just to have that coolness and and sharpness of the brain and the head to play it. Knowing that his French pal would do the rest, yes. Wow, just and then execution's brilliant. I mean, you, that's again you can't teach that, but that's instinctive. That's when you know when you've got a player in your hands. And I thought to myself, just got to enjoy this guy where we can, because he just knew he was going to go into bigger and better things. Well, I think that's I think that's a, a thought that I would echo in terms of it. I said uh, on the show on Monday. I quite pride myself as a Celtic supporter of knowing the difference between a player who is good for us and a player who is world class. And I think we can all name players who uh, maybe would have been more than capable of doing a job for us and being a hero at our club. And then seeing the ones that come along once in a while where you think oh, we're going to have to hold on to him for as long as we can, which isn't going to be long. You know, your Van Dykes, your Tierneys, your your Dembele's, that, that kind of class of player is, is you know... It, I think Celtic fans are discerning enough to know there's a difference between a player who can hack it in the Scottish League and one who's who's probably too good for it. Um, we, we we often hear the phrase Rolls Royce footballer thrown around, particularly in, in, in reference to Van Dijk, and that certainly certainly applies. Lots of suggestions coming in for 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 players. Um, Forster's a big one. John Aaron and Robert Ingram, both on 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 YouTube, have said the same. Um, there's there's VVD from from Danny Boy on YouTube. So there's there's loads. Uh, I think Stephen McGonagall's having his own. He said in Cham, uh, which I <laughs> which I don't really agree with. But you know, um, I think I think from my point of view, I was trying to think about this question last night, um, and obviously, I I. I 
didn't see King Kenny playing any any guys for Celtic, so it would be hard for me to to really uh, offer an opinion on this. But one player that I think any striker would be happy to have behind them is David Turnbull. Now I know I know he's not played a long period of time for us. I think there's still a long way for him to go before he really cements his place in the hearts of Celtic fans. But certainly nothing that he's done this season would suggest to me that we've got anything other than a quality player in our hands. Would you agree? Um, I watched David Turnbull play for Motherwell a lot when I was mm-hmm. reporting games and I think he scored some like 13 or 15 goals and I kind of bang average Motherwell team and you knew mm-hmm. then you, you just knew then and, and he was a he's a cracking fella as well I mean I know he's not a man of many words but we actually get up close and personal he, he speaks a wee bit more uh, I just don't think he likes talking to the media in that kind of sense but no. he's got a cracking temperament as well you know, mm-hmm. and the fact that the, the the deal fell through originally, and to bring himself back to that level and get that move, and then show everybody, listen, I, I can play. I, I think it's testament to. It takes a character, you know, it takes some amount of resilience and character to do that. To have your dream shattered, and then twelve months on, we live it, and then show this is the reason why they signed you. And I remember seeing mm-hmm. him thinking early doors, this boy could go places. And again, another one that I'm going to enjoy while he's here, but I yeah. hope for a wee while because he is still young. But uh, he, he is a baller. I totally agree with your thoughts on him. I really do think that he's a, a midfielder that you can build a team around. He's just He just has it. Whatever that it factor is, he has it. And I look forward to seeing him you know, uh, progressing himself and his career, but hopefully he'll stay with Celtic for a few more years yet. Yeah, and one other thing I'm particularly excited about, I've never been a a huge, huge follower of the national team over the years. I do like to keep on top of what's happening with them, but the idea that we might be going into a Euros with a a midfield of McGregor, McGinn and Turnbull is is unbelievable to me. I I, I think there's class and quality there at, at the highest level that that we probably haven't seen for 20 if not 30 years and I think it would be you know you're in a situation where if they could do something on the nas- international stage you you would have to think they would have to be in the same conversations of, of the Scotland teams of, of old that, that made more regular appearances at the tournaments um, but we, we will wait and see what happens with that whether it even goes ahead or not You mentioned a name there that should be the Celtic midfield just now <laughs> Well <laughs> Disappointing to say the least. Well, all being well, you know what I mean, McGinn. He should, he should be well. Even if he came himself, he he might well have left because he's that good. But and he showed how he was. But you know that that's one that hurts because Celtic should have signed him. No, no doubt. And but going to the Euros with that, you you have got a great chance of no, maybe at least getting to the knockout phase for the first time in a major tournament. Absolutely. Um, thanks very much, everybody, for your comments on YouTube, uh, Facebook and Twitter. Lots of them coming in. Um, a lot of people still speculating about potential management names for us going forward. There's a lot of names coming out. Andrew Villas-Boas, um, Mark Hughes, uh, you know, the same same names that have been doing the rounds for a while. And I think it's just a case of, I think everybody's put their points across um, in a variety of ways and I think at this point I think everybody just wants an appointment of some description like like you've said already Tony mm-hmm. um, but one other thing I wanted to talk about um, to, to sort of before we look ahead to the to the Glasgow Derby in a couple of weeks time <laughs> Uh, as uh, for anybody who's not seen it, I'm actually wearing and, and JP was hanging this up on his on his shelf the other day as he does. But this is the Bumblebee strip, uh, a strip that uh, although like looks wise probably isn't the prettiest thing in the world, certainly holds fond memories for anybody who saw the team play. Uh, and it, Tony, I'm springing this one on you with a bit of uh, a lack of planning. But do you have any particularly good memories from wearing the Bumblebee strip, or any games that come to mind that, that make you think of it specifically, or even specific players? The first ones are sideburns and golden boots. Whenever yes. I, that strip, I just think of sideburns and golden boots, and that yes. goes to Dodgy, and the fans singing. He's got sideburns and golden boots, <laughs> <laughs> and and just that's. That encapsulates the Bumblebee strip to me, that, that maverick element of the three amigos and, mm-hmm. and what, what they brought to the team and that 
swashbuckling Tommy Burns team at the yes. time. And they went through a season, lost one game, lost the league to Rangers by four points with a, a Gascoigne and Loudup inspired Rangers team. You know, mm-hmm. but they, the football they played was from another dimension at times and those guys were just, you know, he, he, he loved it. I think a lot of Celtic supporters still look back on it fondly and obviously yeah. because they wanted Tommy to do so well and they came that, that close. You know, but that team was just renowned for, you know, Cadet was, we know your thoughts on Cadet. I mean, I, I love Cadet as well. I, I just love guys that do exactly what they say in the tin. Cadet was a yeah. predator, right? A striker who was brought in to score goals and for the moment he scored in his debut against Aberdeen and the person ran at Selic Park, the fans just loved him, right? He just he could mm-hmm. do it long. Big Pierre was just solid in the air and a, a dead ball magician. And and Di Canio was just class. You know, he just yeah. did things that, and we only had him for a short period of time, but boy, we enjoyed him. You know, and that the the flick over the goalkeeper and just the, the tap in with the goal. I mean who, who is that egotistical to wear golden boots? You know what I mean? It, just, <laughs> it summed them up, right? It just summed them up totally. And he only came to Celtic because of Tommy Burns. So yeah. we, we enjoyed we enjoyed them while we had them. So that, that kind of bumblebee strip encapsulates that era for me. Despite the fact that they, they never won anything, they, they still played some of the best football in recent memory at Celtic. Mm-hmm. The supporters would, would back, back that up. They just happened to run into a Rangers who had class players themselves and Gascoigne and Magdrup. Yeah, I mean, my, my, my brother is uh, eight years older than me and as I've said on the podcast before, he, he's, he's at pains to tell me very often that for all the, the trebles that we've won in recent years and all the success that we've had... Um, some of his happiest memories as a Celtic supporter were during that time with that team and it was certainly the first team that I fell in love with. Um, Looking at Di Canio a bit more specifically, actually somebody mentioned uh, that to me in reply to a tweet last night I think and said was almost apologising for saying that Di Canio is their favourite Celtic player and and I, I think that's where I think we all know the controversies that he's embroiled himself in in the years since he left the club. But I think if you actually asked any Celtic fan outright whether, you know, De Cano was a player that, that was loved at Celtic, he certainly was while he was here. He was so entertaining. And like you say, it takes a lot of guts to, to wear uh, golden boots. But if you've got the, if you've got the gumption and the skill to, to back it up, then, then why not? Uh, I know. Sorry, on you go. I think the Celtic supporters were just upset that they never saw him for longer or saw the three amigos for longer. Yeah. Because of, you know, little problems with contracts and, and money, basically, you know. So, But that, they do makings of a superb team. And Tommy, yeah. Tommy moulded them into a great unit. It's a big what if, but that team could have won the title no bother. Yeah. You know, if they'd like stayed together, they would have they swept the boards because they were that entertaining. They were just up against a phenomenal Rangers side at the time as well, who had two, you know, arguably, you know, class players. You, you, you could maybe say they were world-class in Loudrop and Gascoigne. That's purely up for question. But they, mm-hmm. they, they were just a cut above everything else, you know, and, and Celtic were building and building to eventually shatter in the 10, but that that was that was in their rebuild. You know, but it, it, yep. was just, it just kind of came too late to stop that Rangers team from achieving the nine. But if that team had been been allowed to continue for two or three seasons, they'd have stopped it. No bother. They were mm-hmm. that. They were that good. But um, and I, I think I think as well with the with the attitude thing is you know there's a lot of people to speak about the the attitude of Tom and Van Hooydonk and, and and well not so much Tom but Van Hooydonk and De Canio as being a negative thing. I would certainly give a lot to have a even an element of that in the current team to to have a player like De Canio who whose main aim is to go out and embarrass the opposition, to show that he is undoubtedly a better footballer than them, and he will show you exactly why. We don't have a player in the current squad that does that. Edward could do that, but I don't think cares enough to 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 make that known. Um, and I think that's that's an attitude that I would like to see in more Celtic players. I, I, don't, I don't subscribe to this. Um, you know, I saw... Um, Neymar, now I'm, I'm, I'm loath to defend Neymar. I, I'm not a fan of him whatsoever, but I saw him get booked at one point for, for showboating in the French League. And I thought to myself, 
what is football if not to to show your skills to the best of your ability? And that's definitely something I think is missing in the current Celtic team. I remember saying a Rangers fan once about John Collins. Remember he bent one free kick into the bottom corner and bent the other one into the yes. top corner, right? He had the predator boots on and all that, right? And I remember saying to him when he lost the rag with me, I said, once was jammy, twice was showboating. And he lost it. <laughs> he's just like, he, he just went mental. And she said, I ah, was lucky. I said, how can you be lucky? You know, once, maybe, but not even lucky. He, he picked the bottom corner and the top corner out, no bother. And as you say, guys that knew exactly what they were doing when they stepped onto that part. Collins was like that. Collins was a player, but those three in particular, you see, there was an element of showboating about them as well because they knew they were good and they wanted to show you how good they were and part of it was you know, rubbing your nose in it and that, that, that's fine because they could back it up. You know, they mm-hmm. can't be the most you know, stubborn of them all when things weren't going his way with Strop and go off his head. You know, and it took Tommy Burns to say to him, look, you know, get your head back and focus. But we could do with that. It's a, a, and it's, it's not... It's not arrogance per se, but it's an arrogance knowing that you're better than the opposition yeah. and you're good and you're going to prove that. Brendan Rogers' teams had that a wee bit. A wee bit of arrogance that they, they were better and they knew they were better and they were going to prove it by the end of the game. And it's no it's no cockiness or anything like that. It's just knowing, being it's confident in your own ability. And Celtic have lost yeah. that since Rogers left. They've lost that confidence in their own ability to go out and get results against anybody right now. Yeah. I think there's a relatively famous saying, and I might be slightly butchering it here, but I'll give it a go. But I think the difference between confidence and arrogance is ability. And that that's basically it. It's it's knowing that you can carry out exactly what you think you can do. And I think Decanio certainly had that. Uh, Jimmy Marsh comments on YouTube, mind the Decanio song, D-I-Canio, uh, to the tune of D-I-S-C-O. That was a pretty pretty good one. Uh, Van Hoydonk had his own had his own song, Cadet had his own song, so it was a, as good a time in the stands as it was on the pitch at that time. Because um, actually, you know, obviously this season has made a slight difference, but, you know, you don't you don't see that as much nowadays. Uh, I think Eduard is the last one to have a really yeah. famous it's sort of song. well-known yeah. song for himself. Whether Turnbull would have had that this season, I don't know, but we just need to wait and see. Um, I had one for Musa when he was here, but they never ever took me up on it. <laughs> oh, I think you've yeah. tried to you've tried to push that one a few times, but uh, after your Destiny's Child escapades last week, I don't know if we're going to go there. <laughs> oh no, it's probably uh, somebody said I want to hear the trumpets in a private message last week. Well. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, from next season when we're all back in the stadiums and what songs, what songs materialise. Uh, just for the last ten minutes of the show, um, I wanted to look a little bit ahead. Obviously, no game this weekend um, because of uh, other things going on. Um, the, our next league game is obviously against Rangers in in whatever you want to call it. We'll call it the Glasgow Derby for safety's sake. Um, what? What do you anticipate happening next week? Are we going to make a lot of changes? Um, are we going to stick with the same old, same old as we've had recently? Um, and and what, what do you want to see come out of the match apart from the obvious? Do you know what? I just want to see a level of performance that shows that the players care. I want them yeah. to put everything into it or it and shatter that unbeaten record that they've got in the league this season. And don't leave the park until you have. Mm-hmm. Two chances at this. First one at home, although there's no front row fans, so there's no real advantage. But go and show a pride in that badge that you're wearing. And if you're talking about Tommy Burns, what what a phrase that is! You're not just playing for a football team; you're playing for a club and a cause. Go and mm-hmm. show that you are playing for a cause just once this season, and they'll, they'll be thought all the better for it. You know you've lost the title, great, but go and shatter there because. For that Rangers team to be compared to Rodgers Invincibles is, I think that'd be a lot for Celtic fans to stomach and take. Yeah. The Rodgers Invincible team is quite special and they achieved something truly unique. So for, and I'm not saying Rangers haven't been good this season because they have. They've played consistently well and they've rattled them off with skittles and beat everybody and, and, and done what they've had to do to win the league. So you cannot deny that. 
but I don't think in terms of entertainment or or, or swashbuckling style or whatever that they're, they're anywhere near Rogers' team, that might be green tinted specs, but I'm quite confident in that assessment. So I just want the Celtic players to just one or two last, okay, three last as the two Rangers games and the Scottish Cup. Treat mm-hmm. it like it means everything. Treat it like it means everything because it means everything to us, the supporters. So go out there, don't leave anything on the park. Just give it your all. And if they do that, I think they can beat this Rangers team. I think they can. Uh- I think I think I'm in total agreement with you as far as I, I would have a lot better outlook going into the summer if we came out of the end of this season uh, at least having a, a win and a draw against Rangers and having a decent go at winning the Scottish Cup. I think that would set us up for a summer where we could start looking towards the future a lot more positively than we have been. I think if we continue on the road that we've been going down, you know, it's just going to only get worse from this point on. And, and I think we have to acknowledge as well, like like you say. Rangers uh, circumstances have dictated that they've been able to perform the way they have um, due to a lot of things out with their control particularly um, in terms of uh, players catching COVID and things like that some of that was in our control obviously but I think there's got to be an acknowledgement there that regardless of what else has gone on they they have done well to, to put together the season that they have. I'm in agreement, though, that even if they end up going on the rest of this season uh, without losing a game, I, I don't think they have been as entertaining or as swashbuckling or as as uh, sort of rip-roaring, free-scoring uh, as, as our Celtic teams of the past few years. Um, one thing that does excite me about next season is if we get this planning right, if we get things in place to start next season on the front foot, it's going to be an exciting year next year. I'm sure of it. We're going to see a title race that that we've not seen for for years. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and and, and I, a lot of people might think I've got a downer on Angel Maresca. I don't. If that is what Celtic are planning and they bring him in, of course I'll get right behind it. But my concern is that he's just no managed. That that inexperience mm-hmm. and being an inexperienced manager doesn't work at Celtic. It hasn't worked. History shown you that. So that that's my concern. You know, so that I, if Enzo Marissa can be in, then so be it. We'll have to get behind it, but it will not fill me with great confidence. That's the thing. But if you turn around and you give me somebody like Eddie Howe, then I'd be delighted with that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Delighted. You know, and, and I think that's one that would excite the fans and would get everybody, as I say earlier, in relation to Shankly, that socialist heart back, where we're all pulling in the same direction. We're all singing from the same hymn sheet. Because at this minute in time, we're not singing from any hymn sheet. We're not just together, right? We've all got different books. So we, yeah. need, we need to draw, we, again, you need to connect those dots from everywhere. And Brendan, Brendan Rogers had 13,000 people turn up to wave to him in a stadium. The day he was unveiled, 13,000 people turned up to wave. People just, right, season tickets went through the roof because it was the appointment that everybody wanted. They never thought they would get and he came and, you know, they, they started the chants early. Brendan Rogers, you have heard us calling in the night, all that kind of stuff. And everybody from the get-go, everybody was on side. Everybody bought into it. There's another chance for this to happen at Celtic. The board just need to appoint the right people. And I'm not saying Eddie Howe is the right man. He's just somebody that would excite me. Ralph Rangnick would excite me. You know, uh, Maloney and Martinez would excite me. So... There are candidates out there that I think would excite the Celtic fans. You would have another kind of moment like that where the fans get right on board from the get-go. Going back mm-hmm. to the appointment, not a disappointment thing, you know. So, And I just think Enzo Maresca is a hard sell, in my own opinion. Yeah. You know, I, I think... Seen- I think 100% you're right I think um, I think we're not singing from the same hymn sheet I think some of us are singing Let There Be Love Shared Among Us and some of us are singing Go The Masses Ended but you know, we need to we need to get on board with yeah, we need to get on board and, and get get in line as far as that's concerned. I'm I'm in I'm in agreement with you though. That I, whoever it is, whether I agree with their appointment or not, I, I, I'm I differ. For example, from from Paul John's uh, views about about Mark Hughes, I thought his interview with with Celtic State of Mind was really interesting. 
but he wouldn't be my choice for manager. Having said that, if he was in charge, I would support him because at the end of the day, as Celtic manager. One last thing I wanted to actually touch on with regard to, you know, why we think uh, inexperienced managers don't work. Do you think it's because there is so much more attached to the Celtic job? You know, I think I think what we have to expect from a Celtic appointment is they have to we have to know and trust that they know how to manage a football team because so much of their time and their stress and their worry being a Celtic manager will be taken up with things probably outside the footballing realm There's, a, it's not an easy atmosphere to live in in the Glasgow Fishbowl and I think the one thing that you want to know is that they are an experienced manager who can handle the football inside because they're going to have so much else to deal with off the park probably half your managerial job at Celtic's done off the park mm-hmm. you know, so it's, uh, it's all encompassing club a cause it's everything you know, you're, you're handling the expectations of so so many people you're not just walking in and saying 11 players or a squad of players right this is what I'm going to do it's everywhere you go in this city or if you move to the city everywhere you get it everywhere you drive mm-hmm. down you drive down the street people who took the horn and give you the thumbs up or the you know the bird whatever <laughs> you want you, know, you, you go somewhere to buy something you know I, Tommy Burns again said the, one of the great things ever, half the city hates you, the other half think they own you. Can you cope mm-hmm. with that as a Celtic manager? Mm-hmm. And I just think inexperienced guys might not be able to cope because they've just not managed at that level of expectation. Not just from yourself yeah. and the players, it's from everybody. It's everybody around. You know, you, you, what a statement that is. Half the city, you know, half the people will hate you, the other half think they own you. you, you, you it takes a special kind of person to be able to deal with that first and foremost. It takes a statesman-like person. You know, Brendan Rodgers had it, Steen had it, O'Neill had it. You know, these guys have it. They just have that wow factor and they can deal with it. You know, they, they, they can deal with even even Rangers fans giving them abuse. They can deal with that and they earn their respect. There are just certain people that can walk, walk along those lines and, you know, they, it, it never affects them in any shape or form. You know, they're mm-hmm. impenetrable that way. You just have to be, you know, so that that's the kind of manager you need. A, a statesman, somebody, an ambassador for the club at all times who conducts themselves in the right way, in the right manner. Now, I'm not saying Enzo Maresca's not that guy. He might well be. He might be worth giving a chance. But I just have my reservations about managers like that who are just not managed at any level, at the club level, like, you know, professionally. No under 20 football is just completely different. I think uh, I think that is probably going to be a time a good note on which to end it we will see what happens with the Celtic management job going forward like we say regardless of who comes in we will support them no matter what and we will continue to support the team <coughs> going forward no matter what challenges faces uh, thanks everybody for getting involved in the chat there's been lots going on down there and we've really enjoyed uh, having you involved um, Jim will hopefully be back with us next week pending some uh, improvements in the technical issues that we were having but hopefully we'll see him back next week thanks very much to everybody we will see you back on Monday for another bulletin and remember hashtag tweets don't win titles (laughs) goodbye and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? 
Just stop. This is a 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203-203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.